What up, what up, what up to all my podcast listeners out there. This is a first-generation podcast. Go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button. Greetings, greetings. This is Robert Bugs, your host. I am a Tennessee State University graduate two times, a Tennessee State University staff member, a Tennessee State University tiger for life who truly bleeds blue. This is the Life Designers Podcast, Season 1, Episode 2. What we're here to do today is to let you know why you matter, who you are meant to be, what you are here to do, and where you want to go. That's your meaning, your purpose, your mission, and your vision. I am also your host, Donald Perkins, and we are the Life Designers Podcast, where we encourage, support, and guide you in being your very best self. So sit back and enjoy the show. Just to recap on yesterday's show, we, we was talking with Dr. Haskins, and also during that particular show, he dropped some jewels. Rob, can you just explain some of the jewels that Dr. Haskins dropped yesterday? Now, Donna, we got them in the studio. Why would you ask me to recap it? Dr. Haskins, I know we said we want to take it to the classroom. So, before we take it to the classroom, is there anything else you'd like to say about a sense of belonging at the university? Well, thank you all for having me back here for part two. Uh, Absolutely. I I believe that last episode, man, was powerful. Um, But when we talk about sense of belonging, we have to understand that that is a very key element and framework to a student's success. So as professionals and as practitioners, it's always important that we are creating a sense of belonging, not just in the classroom, but also outside of the classroom, student life financial aid services, the cafeteria, even them going and finding a clean restroom on campus to use. You know, we have to make sure that they all feel at home. And I believe Tennessee State University did an excellent job at that for me when I was a student here. Um, And even now as a practitioner working at the university, I believe that we are doing an excellent job at creating a sense of belonging in all aspects. And when you talk about taking it to the classroom, that's just taking it to the next level, making sure students have a voice, making sure that they can ask the professors questions, build the relationships with, amongst students. And when they get in groups, that they're not just getting in groups and one person is doing the project, but all group members are completing that task, whatever the case may be. So, yes. So are you saying that they should have a sense of cohesiveness working together? Absolutely. I believe cohesion is the cohesion and collaboration is the equation for success. So if you don't have cohesion, if you don't have collaboration, you have nothing. So for our students, I believe that's that's one of the things that I really work on is making sure that our students are cohesive cohesive that and they can comprehend what they have, and they know how to collaborate and work with each other because those are, that's what we use in the real world. We are all practitioners sitting here at the table now. And if it wasn't for the cohesion, if it wasn't for the art of collaboration, we wouldn't be here today. This podcast wouldn't be out. So I'm just, I'm just saying it's a very practical skill that is taught, that needs to be taught, and continue to be taught. Dr. Haskins, do you have a model that you live by? And if so, what is it? A motto. Yes, I have two models that I live by. One, low expectations, no hurt feelings. And two, keep going. You're doing a great job. So those two models really keep me going. <laughs> they keep me on my feet. Uh, no expectations are low expectations, no hurt feelings. 
oftentimes as students and as first-gen scholars, it can feel lonely. And so we're expecting things. We want everything to cater to us. But if we take a step back and just say, okay, listen, I'm, I'm going in here with no expectations, so I don't even know what is supposed to happen. But whatever happens, I believe everything that happens is going to be for my good. But if I go in with expectations that, oh, financial aid is supposed to answer my email. They're supposed to answer within 10 minutes of getting it. Or this professor is supposed to cater to me specifically. No, I go into a classroom and I have to understand there is 30 other students in that classroom. And probably only 10 of us are first gen. So I have to have a very open mindset and I have to be open-minded and I have to be forward-thinking in order for success to take place, in order for the growth mindset to take place, in order for me to really get adjusted to the campus and the classroom. So yeah, I mean, those are my mottos. And then to keep going, you're doing a great job. It's just a, a motto that I live by to keep me from not quitting. You're not going to always have a cheerleader in your corner. And as a first-gen scholar, we all know um, our parents, our family, they don't know what we go through. They don't know what a student, what a classroom looks like. They don't know what campus life is like. And even if this, I believe this goes across the board for our non-first-gen. The society, college looks totally different than it did in the 90s. And so there is a different level of uh, self-efficacy that we have to bring to the table as a first-gen or as a college student, period. So being able to encourage yourself and tell yourself you're doing a great job, keep going, man, that's, that's, that's more impactful than your mom or your dad or someone else telling you. Because if you can't tell yourself, then you're not going to accept it from anyone else. Okay. I'll take that. Now, Dr. Perkins, I have a, about three questions that's going to be wrapped up into one. My first question to you is, is public speaking your favorite subject? It is my favorite subject. Second, okay, we're taking it to the classroom. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been penalized for going over the time that you were required to say a speech? Yes. I can tell. So <laughs> my last question to you is, how important is time management as it relates to classroom success? Man, time management is very key to any success because you're given, let's say, the lowest amount of classes you can take is what? Hours is 12. Um, that's that's the lowest amount you can take before you go part-time. You have 12 hours. That's about, what, three, seven, nine, nine, that's four classes, four or five classes at minimum that you're taking. And that's three hours in that class that you're taking. And you have a full syllabus uh, for 15 weeks. So you do the math, like you're given an assignment for each class almost every day. So time management is very key. Understanding how to prioritize, prioritizing what's important first. That was something that I had to learn early on. Otherwise, it's almost like jumping into the ocean and not knowing how to swim. So it's like, do I go and get lessons first or do I jump in the ocean? And the, and the right thing to do is go get them lessons, go to tutoring, figure it out, you know, ask questions, and then put your life jacket on and jump in the ocean because I still ain't going to know how to swim. But, I mean, it's just a part of the, the, the experience. And then as far as being penalized for speaking over it, it's just knowing how what to say and, and thinking before you speak. You know, um, I'm, I'm a very passionate individual, if you can tell by now. Um, I'm very passionate, so I can go on and on, and I have a story. You know, I've been through a lot uh, just being creating my own narrative so there's a lot that I want to share, but I, I'll definitely respect the time I'm here today. All right, all right, all right. That sounds good. 
So now I know that, you know, we have a difference between, I know there's different things that students go through because we think about, you know, uh, the transition, you know, uh, that goes on from your freshman year to your senior year and from your sophomore year. So we want to talk about transition. And I just want to ask you one question, you know, and that is, um, what are some of the changes you notice between freshman and sophomore years? What, what were some of the changes and what were some of the transitions uh, uh, that you noticed, you know, uh, or that you experienced as uh, between your freshman year and your sophomore year? Can you elaborate? So I know my freshman year, I came in, I, I was all over the place. I was excited. Uh, I did just, I wanted to be a part of everything. I, it was like a kid in the candy store. I wanted every piece of candy in the store. Um, not understanding that too much of anything is never good for us. So my freshman year, my my first semester of my freshman year, I was just trying to figure it out. I wanted to know what I could be a part of, what I couldn't be a part of. You know, I wanted to be involved in the pep club. I wanted to go to all the games. I wanted to be a part of student government association. Man, I, I just wanted to do a lot. Um, but I didn't understand that in doing a lot, there came a lot of responsibility. There came, uh, still, I was a student first. There came a lot. And, and I had to accept that, and I had to take that on. And so the difference that I saw just within my first year, from my first semester to my second semester, is that I came in wanting everything, and then my second semester, I began to create a vision board and a vision map. It went up plan I started goal setting and so the major difference between both years is that I still came I still kept that same level of enthusiasm but I tailored it you know and I tailored my mindset I said well, what are the things that are really going to impact my life I could I, it's, it sounds good being a mascot but what is that going to do for me in the next four years you know it sounds good being a part of the pep club but what is that going to do for me in the next four years so I, I began to be being intentional about everything that I became a part of or anything that I, I did, the parties, whatever. I was not a partier in undergrad because I realized what impact is that going to have that's taking time away from me. Now, I, I partied at homecoming, and I did a few parties here and there, but I was not the weekly we average going, meet, meeting them at the airplane, to getting on the bus to go to the club. That was not me. Um, however, I had friends that did that, and I had friends that did it and managed well. I just wasn't one of those. And so I figured out what my strengths were. I figured out what my weaknesses were. And I just, I, I chose from the transition of my freshman year to my sophomore year to make a change and scale back. Okay. Speaking of transitions, Dr. Haskin, when you entered the university, what was your major? My major when I entered was theater. And when you exited the university, what was your major? Mass communications. So they're pretty similar, right? Similar, but doesn't mean that it was the right major for me. So how did you find this path, or how did you find this major to be the chosen major that was right for you? So I came in with a theater mindset. I, I, I knew I wanted to be an actor. I knew I wanted to go and, and, and act with Tyler Perry, but uh, I just didn't know how to, how to get there. But I realized that that really wasn't my passion. Um, and so... They asked us, you know, were you interested in changing your major? And I said, yes. And so I, I thought it was easier to just go ahead and do mass communications because I enjoy talking. I love television, radio broadcasting. I, I was able to get involved and do great things. I love the film. I love TV, whatever. Um, but I did it, you know. But that wasn't what I was supposed to transition to. 
I was supposed to transition to being an education major, which was what I originally intended on coming to college for. Um, but I allowed the perception and the mindsets of other individuals to influence me. Um, and so I accepted that, and I just went ahead and became a mass comm major. And by, you know, second semester of my sophomore year, it was too late to go ahead and change that major because I didn't want to stay an extra, extra two years, uh, A, because I didn't have the funds for that, and B, uh, it just would have been a waste of time. So I just went ahead and completed that degree. But I also, that was one of the reasons why I went back and got my master's, um, because education was my passion. Um, and I really wanted, I, I enjoyed my processing there. And so, yeah, that's why I stuck with education as a master's. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, just staying in that same vein, I guess we're going to look at some things. Uh, you know, I just want to ask you a question as it relates to you know, you know, you you being, you know, a you first specialist, you being a success coach. I know you see a lot of things and and talk to a lot of students. And so the question that I want to ask you now is what is a common struggle uh, you notice among first year students, particularly first generation students? I believe the most common struggle amongst first generation students it's inspiration and motivation, not having that true support system and not understanding how to tap into their own personal identity and personal self-efficacy. Um, it's very challenging um, being a first-gen student because there are moments where you just don't want to be here. You don't want to continue your, your degree track. Um, there are moments where the class, it feels like you're sinking um, and you can't see anything but where you're drowning. And so it has to come a point where you find that motivation. And we, I, I truly believe as a first-gen student myself, I lacked that motivation. Um, but I had to get around other like-minded individuals. I had to begin to believe in myself. I had to begin to believe in what was happening. I had to ask questions. I couldn't be afraid. And so... Of course, when I did that, and I was lucky to do that, there was some faculty and staff members here that I built relationships with, and they were able to uh, really uh, help me see the truth. And so because of that, you know, life for me became a little bit easier uh, being a first-gen scholar. And, I, you know, of course, my mom and I had a decent relationship, and so there was one point where I was on the phone crying. I was like, yo, I'm coming home. And she was like, no, 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 no. Let me remind you of the words that you said when you left out of my house last year in August. And, and she reminded me of those words that I said her. And, and I said, you know, I wasn't coming back home. So that meant I was going to have to fight. I was going to have to push. And sometimes when you're in the battle, it just looks like you're being defeated, but not realizing that you're really winning the war. So I had to get that in my head. And I got that in my head. I, I, I grew that mindset. And I really felt like I could accomplish anything. And I really believe that as a first-gen student, if we can conquer the mental battle first, then everything else, we're going to win the war. Because it's, it's in the mind where you win the fight. But if you let the mind go, if, you doesn't, if you don't train your mind to think positively then, or think on those, think, those key motivators, then you're going you're gonna to sink. Wow, that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, uh, we're just going to say one, one more thing uh, before we take a commercial break here. I have one more question that I want to ask you, and that is, what helped you most in your first year of college? What about the following years, your sophomore, junior, senior years? Was there a transition? Can you elaborate uh, more so about what helped you most 
you know, or if there was something that helped you the most in your first year of college? And uh, what about the following years, your sophomore, junior, senior year? I believe what helped me the most was once I, so my first, my freshman and my sophomore year, I believe were like my training camp years. So that's where you're out in the heat of the summer, you're conditioning, you're learning the, the plays, you're having to tackle, you're having to do all these things, and you're having to learn your way. But then my sophomore, I mean, my junior and my senior year, I kind of felt like I was a vet, and I felt like, you know, I'm, I'm good, I'm set, I'm, I, I, got my, I got my rhythm, I have everything, I have my organizations, you know, I have my leadership, I've, I've transformed, and what helped me the most was having the opportunity to reach back to other first-gen students, other freshmen, incoming freshmen, high school students, and encourage them on their journey. That was the most impactful to my success at, here at TSU. I was able to then, I was able to leave and go, uh, not leave and go, but I'm sorry, I was able to uh, become a university ambassador, and that's where we basically led the orientation camp, the orientations, the summer camps, uh, anything dealing with onboarding for freshmen, the tours, things of that nature, and we were able to create an atmosphere of, and a sense of belonging for new incoming freshmen. And I did that for three years straight, um, and I enjoyed it, man. And that gave me the most inspiration. I became a mentor, a peer mentor. Um, just I became a friend to so many younger students, and that was like all oh, my little brothers and my little sisters, my friends, my peers, they're all here now. And so now I can lead the way for them and, and, and create a path of success. So that's what did it for me. And ultimately, becoming a grad student and doing those things as well just helped me out as well. So um, I think that's what really helped get me to that finish line because I knew I had younger eyes looking at me Younger eyes depending on my success. Younger eyes depending on seeing me walk across that stage and lifting up my diploma in my hand, um, and seeing that. And and even to this day, I have peers and colleagues that I went to school with or that came after me, still reaching out and just congratulating me on all of my success. And you know, if there's things in the community that I'm doing, you know, we're able to collaborate and work together. So, like I said, it's not about your net worth; it's all about your network. So your network determines your net worth so just remember that and I remember that and I listen it, it it put me where I am today we would like to thank our wonderful guests for joining us today we truly appreciate you dedicating your time knowledge and enthusiasm with us to our listeners make sure that you like subscribe and share this podcast and of course be on the lookout for the next episode <laughs>